Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and presson falsies. Welcome back to Legendary Cycling Podcast for the Giro Stage 7 from Capua to Gran Sasso d'Italia. Without a doubt, I think the worst stage we've ever had to cover on the podcast in terms of the proportion of the stage where there was sort of racing rather than a status quo situation, 218Ks. Yeah, it, it was tough. This was a tough stage to uh, be on the couch watching, even if you only tuned into the final climb, which was long. Yeah, flat first hour or so, or first 50, 60 kilometers, and a couple of climbs, one of which wasn't categorized despite being 15Ks at 5%. Descent, then a 7K, 6% climb to Rocco Rasso, another descent. Another hour in the valley before a stepped climb to Campo Imperatore with 13.5Ks at 6%, plateau a little bit, very open plain, and then the last 4Ks about 8% kick up to the line. Over 2,100 metres. So, you know, I, we, we did a big spiel in hindsight, way too long the spiel yesterday, Benji, about how really there could be gaps <laughs> on this stage because they were in 2018. Like Froome lost a minute on this stage in 2018 and Yates won the stage. Uh, but it didn't happen. I thought it was going to happen. When the break formed, I thought, oh, the, the teams have made sure it's a three-man break that they can easily control because they want something from this stage. Exactly. Now, that breakaway that formed had three riders. Usually we'd call this the meme breakaway, but on this occasion, we'll give them some credit. Davide Baez from, uh, from Yolo Cometa. Usually him and his brother kind of switch around of who goes in the breakaway in the Giro stage. Sometimes it's Mattia, sometimes it's Davide. Today it's Davide. Next to that, we've got another uh, family member, not of the Bice brothers, but of the Vacek, I think, brothers. I'm going to guess that they're brothers. Karol Vacek, so not Matthias Vacek, not the guy that won the Gazprom UAE Tour stage when Alpecin wasn't paging that we mentioned yesterday. Karol Vacek is the man. He uh, fought against Remco Evenepoel in the juniors and was actually competitive against him. I recall him being in the World Championships that Remco won, a pretty notable name and a rider that was an outsider for that race. Same with Meyerhofer, actually. Yeah, Marius Meyerhofer. Correct. Yeah. And also that um, the dude that signed for EF that you were hyped about, the Italian that you were hyped about last? Mark Hirschi. No, that's not an Italian. <laughs> um, Piccolo. Piccolo. Wasn't yeah. he also where in is, there? Where is Andre Piccolo, by the way? I don't know. Not but, in this breakaway, because Patili was in there instead. Not even in the Giro. Like, he hasn't right. He did a bad Arden. Yeah, weird. Anyway, yeah. The interesting thing about this break was, first of all, Jumbo were kind of had a rider forward during break formation. They didn't seem to want the break to get too big. Maybe they just wanted someone like Sam Moment or Cohen Bowman to slip in the break. Secondly, Astana were trying to get in the break. I think these guys who did eventually get in the break, Baez and Vacek, were jumping, and Joe Dombrowski got an, init an initial move of four, and then that break didn't go, and then the three went again. And it's like, if you're Joe Dombrowski... <laughs> you're gonna be up all night you will be up all night after watching this finish because he's won from better quality breaks on mount top finishes before and to not get in this move must be very disappointing i, I doubt yumbo and ineos and quickstep were stopping joe dombrowski getting the breakaway so i thought 
seeing that break formation, okay, DSM will ride it, peg it at eight, nine minutes because Varchek or Patili's on seven minutes on GC. And eventually, in the valley before Gran Sasso d'Italia, you will see Athene or Puccio or Ghana move to the front and start setting a tempo and just bring that back down to about six minutes, five minutes. And that never happened. <laughs> never happened. It never happened. We did see the gap was basically 12 minutes for the majority of time until it went down to nine minutes because DSM did do something here. DSM did what we expected them to do, which is try to keep Lechnesund in the Malia Rosa. And they do that by pacing before the climb and pacing on the on the earlier slopes of the climb. And then if they have riders left in the later slopes of the climb, they'll put their rider up there again to try and set some tempo. And DSM did a hell of a job doing that. Because while if another team had picked it up, the DSM riders probably wouldn't have been able to pull off the jobs they did. But the job they did was perfect for a day like today to be able to keep Lechnesund as much up there as possible. So at 40k to go, DSM was very much at the front and they were pacing in that group and even on the climb nobody comes to the front it was unbelievable the break uh Mulblahan was also in the break from Bardiani the but he got dropped before the final climb even yeah. started so yeah it was it was those three in the break I forgot that he initially got in the break because I was thinking oh what well, Bardiani was the other invitee team that didn't get in the break but they actually did get in there and yeah it just wasn't good enough so yeah, I was really, really surprised because, like, is a Giro d'Italia... I know you... Okay, in theory, is a Giro d'Italia stage win really not worth that much to Ineos and Yumbo? <laughs> like, is it not... Like, wouldn't Roglic be the favourite for this finish? In, in For years, for five years, Roglic has been winning finishes like this, right? In cycling. Yeah. Like, soft, soft mountainous finishes which are quite hard at the end, but they're not that hard. It's from a group of 12. He has been winning these from the Vuelta. They've been his bread and butter for years. Are they scared? Are they scared of Remco Evenepoel, who's battered his sprint over the years and has now become a rider that could win 45% of the sprints against Roglic, 1-2-1, one, one, I would say, at the moment? I don't, I don't believe so. After an easier stage, I still don't believe so. And, if, and after the crashes as well, this is the, the moment to strike. If you're not going to do it after two Remco crashes two days before then when are you going to do it? Isn't that when you were, something you were waiting for? Same with Ineos. I thought, couldn't they... And, and listen, you've got the headwind, right? So there's a strong 20k headwind. That made a huge difference, obviously. It's an open plane. Of course, with a headwind, in theory, attacks can't happen but or are less likely to work. But I think, actually, headwind is a little bit misunderstood in cycling, particularly when you've got multiple numbers. So like we saw that on um, in Terreno Adriatico, the main yeah. climb with strong headwind, 10k, 6-7%, got shortened. But Caruso went up the road, and then other teams, he is riding in the headwind, don't get me wrong, but then other teams are having to burn their domestiques or ride harder whilst his teammates get to ride in a seat. And so if you're Ineos, do you, you know, could you have used Aronsman? Could you have used Sivakov? They're very, very strong, powerful riders on 4-3%. And then suddenly, quick step, you really see the quick step have to do something. Yeah. Same with Yumbo Visma. They got Hessman. He's a really good climber for his size. Could you have tried to play Hessman earlier, be a little bit more creative? And I think the answer was no one, no one could be bothered to invest for a four second bonus. Yeah. If you're Gaggenhardt, if you're Roglic, if you're quick step. And, any, and listen, Remco and quick step don't need to. He's already won a stage. He's, and he's got a minute lead. But are you going to win? They're thinking, 
headwind. Are we going to invest? We've got, we're looking at this week three. I think it's short-sighted. I think it's short-sighted to just always think it's going to be four seconds just because there's a headwind. Because we saw in the last K actually that all of a sudden when the pace picked up, guys are really clinging on for dear life because you're still climbing to 2,100 meters. So I, I thought it was too negative today, uh, even, even though I understand the headwind is the rationale for it. Exactly. But when it comes to quick step, I've got another reason why they should not be pacing at this point. First of all, because it's not their reason to do it. But the second reason is also if Leknesun stays here, then Leknesun stays in pink for tomorrow. And then the SM might still do some work to try and keep Leknesund in the pink jersey. And that means a bit less control for Quickstep, even though they will still have to do the break formation phase in the race. They will still have to control a bit. But that tiny bit of effort that the SM might take over might be worth it to not throw Leknesund off board today. Exactly. And yeah, there's no reason for Quickstep to pace. They've got to hope Leknesund makes it in the group. Maybe Heiji Tuar move up later. Anyway, breakaway gets onto the final climb. After the first 13k section, I'm thinking, okay, in this valley, is someone going to peg it? Dennis is in the group. Uh, Puccio is in the group. Aronsman's in the group. Hessman's in the group. No one moves. Quickstep just go to the front with Zeri start pacing. So, yeah. If you do want to watch wall-to-wall coverage of the Giro, though, we'll be honest with you. Today's not the stage to do it. <laughs> just listen to the pod today. But... Tomorrow we think will actually be yep. a really cracking stage and that's one you want to watch probably the last two hours of and GCN Plus is the best place to do so. There's also an Andy Hampson documentary coming. I think in a, in a couple of weeks that'll be on GCN Plus to keep you entertained back when there were because today there weren't the hor horrendous conditions or really, really cold, nasty, wet conditions that I thought there would be that might spice things up. It was just headwind dry, actually quite sunny at the end of the stage despite the rain at the start. But if you remember that Giro at the end of the 80s, Hampson, crazy, crazy Giro. That documentary is coming on GCN Plus uh, shortly. So if you want to see that docker or watch the stage in full tomorrow, or at least the last two hours, I think it'll be really, really good. You can get 15% off an annual GCN Plus pass in selected territories through the link down below. But why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we do this to ourselves where the Giro root reaction initially a few months ago, whenever it happened in December or something, we said to ourselves, the stage is going to be like a group sprint. They're going to come to the line. They're going to do that. Break wide win. Might take the pink jersey, stuff like that. And why do we hype up this stage in the last few days beforehand? Why do we do this to ourselves? Why are we delusional? Two reasons. First of all, the Remco crashes. Yeah. I thought if you... Look, he showed in the first TT, like, if he doesn't just collapse in the mountains, he's going to win this Giro on the time trial, like he's going to take a lot of time on Sunday on the Stage 9 TT. So if you're not going to try, when his team has already looked pretty bad, actually, yeah. on Lago Laseno, after he's had two crashes, bearing in mind that he crashed two days before Sierra de la Pandera and the Vuelta, he crashed on Peñas Blancas. He was fine on Peñas Blancas after the crash. Two days later, he drops on Pandera off not the biggest watts per kilo I've ever seen in my life. And today's two days after, I thought. And then, then I saw the weather forecast rain. I was like, okay, it's going to be attritional, 220Ks. Someone's going to pick it up. And then I also thought, if Gegenhardt has his Tour of the Alps shape, okay, Remco and Roglic weren't in Tour of the Alps, but he, as I said before, he toasted everyone there in these punchy finishes. Carthy, Haig, Kemner, Vlasov, Gegenhardt cooked them all. And even in Torreno, he was strong in the uphill finish against Roglic without a great lead out. So I thought... Both Yumbo were going to try and take advantage of it for Remco. And secondly, I thought a Giro stage win. Remember, 
uh, I think Ineos won four Grand Tour stages last year, three of which were in the Vuelta. It's not like Ineos in the last couple of years just been racking up. You know, first of all, they didn't win a Grand Tour last year, but they didn't even they didn't win over five Grand Tour stages last year either. Like a Giro stage win is a big deal, um, especially for your British rider who might be extending. You know, Gagan Hart in his peak. So I don't know. And also, what's the downside? Remco takes okay. You, you come third, you lose six seconds to Remco Roglic. You're gonna lose a minute to Remco in the TT anyway. Like, but you yeah. might, but you might get a stage win out of it today. That's exactly the thing because. Because they did not do stuff today, I'm 100% certain someone will try something tomorrow or, or they're just gifting time to Remco because Sunday is a time trial, a long time trial. He's going to take minutes on some GC riders, a minute and a half on some GC riders. On some, it'll be 30 seconds, 45 seconds, but people will lose time on Remco in that time trial. So they're basically not anticipating the time loss that will come in two days. Unless Remco was like properly injured, which I don't think so. Looking at what he did well, near the finish knows? line, but his sprint was pretty good. Anyway, we'll get back to it. We should we should re, <laughs> we should recap this stage. I don't know how we've got it so long already. Breakaways. Uh, Varchek is trying to ride steady. Almeida pace. Patilli attacks him. Patilli's doing a lot of work in their open plane before the final four Ks. They got a six minute lead. They know they're going to win the stage unless something crazy happens. Vice is doing nothing. He's following Patilli when Varchek attacks. He sits on Patilli, Patilli closes. Barcek is yo-yoing. Vice played it really, really clever, actually. I mean, for a guy who's like, yeah, listen, he's, he, he's been getting in a lot of mean breaks in his career in, in the Giro, but for a guy who's rarely been in this situation, he played this so cool, yeah. calm and collected, and Varcek basically let out the last kilometre, Patilli, I thought he's come ninth in Strada Bianca. He's probably the highest level rider in the group, but maybe he spent too much in the headwind himself in the open plane. He cannot respond to Varchek's acceleration in the final K, and Bias just steps off them and, and wins the stage easily, easily for y Yolo Cometa, their second Giro win in a matter of three years. Both mountaintop finishes from the breakaway, first with Fortunato in 2021. Zonkulan. Yeah, Zonkulan, and now on Campo Imperatore in the first week for Davide Bias. Nine seconds ahead of Varchek. Third, uh, 16 seconds ahead of Patilli. So he really like conserved well and then he, he beat these guys easily in the sprint. So congrats to him for playing it really, really well. Probably the best career results for all three of these riders in the break, none of whom had won a, a, a pro race before this, this stage. So it's actually, okay, yeah, listen, as we said, not the best spectacle. It, it wasn't, but... It is good, I think, to that there is a reward sometimes. Maybe not every year, maybe not yeah. every, every week, but a reward for the guys who get in those forlorn breakaways for sponsor attention, and then all of a sudden they actually get to fight it out for the stage win. Exactly. Now, with this breakaway, this kind of brings me back to the days where, for example, in 2019, there was a breakaway stage where Damiano Ochima won, I think a dude that went into the breakaway in Italian also in a mean breakaway, and they made it in front of the sprinters. That was much closer, though, because they were put in the same time as Ackerman, who came second, but that was like kind of like a similar thought that came into my mind, but it's really cool to see David Abais, after so many times in the breakaway, take this. Pacek was interesting, because he dropped, then he comes back, then he attacks. He drops, yeah. then he comes back, then he attacks. It was like a thing he did all the time. When it comes to the climbing, on one end, you'd expect more from Patilli, who's on seven minutes in GC at this point, uh, before the stage started. So it might have been closer. He's going to move up in GC quite a bit. Yeah. But I expected more when it, when it comes to the climbing. But on the other end, you can't benefit from his climbing that much 
knowing the headwind is there against these two guys. So it's a bit of a, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, did, you, did you expect more from the climbing of Patili? Uh, I thought Patili would win, but I think he ended up doing too much in the, okay. in the last sort of 14 kilometers, 14 to 4 kilometers. I think he did a lot of the work and that cost him. This is erasure. We did not mention the moves in the peloton on one end. Oh, yeah, we'll moving get, to we'll the front. Wait, wait, wait. Ajdazer moving to the front, trying to maybe do something for, uh, for Pare Panther because he's on 30 seconds in GC before the stage, which is two seconds behind Remco Evenepoel, who's second. And you obviously want to take the pink jersey, so he'd have to do something magical to take it, but you might as well try, which didn't really happen because he looked to be done for. Yeah. But the brutal attack of Thomas Champion with <laughs> 2.5 kilometers to go, that was the moment of the day for me. It actually, it looks like it makes no sense. And then it actually makes a lot of sense when you think about the team. So yeah. the UCI points have really changed in over the uh, Christmas period. The UCI changed them with about two weeks notice to the teams. Uh, and Lotto, Sudal, Lotto, Destiny, that they're now called, got taken by surprise. Grand Tour stage wins got a lot of points for the top 10 on offer. You know, fourth, fourth is 80 points. 80 UCI points is a lot of points. That's I'm pretty sure that's the same as fourth in a one-one one-day race, and you can do yeah. that. You know, he's thinking, I jump from the peloton, no one's going to chase me. He's on like 30 minutes on GC, get fourth, 80 UCI points for just sitting in the group of 50, and and we see in the sprint he actually full, fully goes for the sprint and comes seventh, and that's definitely for points, uh, as well as probably a top 10 in a in a Grand Tour stage, and for Korotek as well for Varchek who was in the under-23s still last year. Like, he came second in uh, a stage of Giro Valle d'Ost de Mont Blanc. And he's had a sort of, he was saying in an interview in Italian after the stage, how he's had a lot of trouble to get where he is now because he was a pretty hyped junior rider. Yep. You know, he's on Hagen's Berman, Axion, the Pro Conti, when they're a Pro Conti team, he's on Colpac Balan. Then he went to Quebec, then Quebec folded. Then he went to get a Conti contract at Tyrol. Then he went to Corotech. And he's only 22 years old. And, you know, he did come second in that Valadeus de Mont Blanc stage last year. So he isn't actually a, a terrible rider. Uh, and maybe he actually kicks on from here. And this stage result as well is an opportunity for like a, maybe a Trek Segafredo pair him up with his brother, Matthias Varchek, who, who's two <laughs> years younger, but won that stage of UAE tour. And they pair him up with him at Trek next year. I don't know. But the 130 UCI points for him, for Korotek, that has to be their most... That's probably more than their entire year's UCI points. Like if I had to, if I had to guess, like they're a really bad team, apart from um, your boy Tiviani. So, but yeah, they did. They got a good result today. But yeah, GC group, nothing happens. Lexington's not getting dropped. We see nervousness. We see Ben Swift going to a ditch, come back. We see people lining up their trains. And then suddenly it starts to thin out a, a lot. It goes from a group of 50 and it's, it's all of a sudden 20 in the space of 500 meters. I'm like, it's almost like if someone took it. Like, yeah. It's impossible to know who, like maybe one of the people we mentioned doesn't, didn't feel good today, but yeah. surely somebody felt good. Somebody in the top seven yeah, GC toppers, not all of them could have felt bad. And if you feel good, you should, if you're going for top five, going for top three, make hey well the sun is shining in the case of today yeah you're right i, I was expecting like a rain is raining again no. but sun is shining is it is it not sun is sunning if we keep up the no okay apparently not <laughs> apparently i'm wrong but um i don't know when it comes to uae i'm also thinking what can they do and then i'm more looking to vine than almeida to make that move because he's on further so maybe 
that might be given some kind of doubt by other GC riders. Then again, they probably respond, but indeed, Movistar was the one that hyped it up a bit. I think it was Verona pacing for Rubio or someone pacing for Rubio. I don't know why. But um, Why were they doing that? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just trying <laughs> to think. Maybe they were like, well, let's get everybody out of the top 20 so we can get a, a 19th spot at the end of the Giro for Rubio. Yeah, they did that. And then eventually, Ineos set up for the sprint. Thomas went to the right. Roglic and Jumbo had sat deep the whole climb, and then they moved up. Roglic was there, and then suddenly Remco burst from the group and sprinted full gas, showing that, you know, I'm in good shape. Don't worry about me. Roglic got onto his wheel, no time gap. So Remco wins the bunch sprint for fourth. Then Roglic, then Pino, who keeps KOM jersey, then Thomas, then Almeida, Dunbar, Scaroni, Butrago, Gagenhart, and then, I mean, ended up being, who got dropped? <laughs> who got dropped? Jan Hurt looks terrible, man. Jan Hurt looks really bad. And I know this is not the sort of, it's not the brutal stages, but he got dropped, I Yeah, think. but does it matter? Yeah, do they just tell him, like, Glogue, I presume they just stopped trying, or McNulty. Yeah. For what? example, Jumbo's probably like, because um, Vervake at Quickstep, yeah. Jan Hirt at Quickstep, Bauman at, at Jumbo as well, they're probably like, just just drop off the back, we don't need you for the last, yeah. like, kilometer. I feel like it might be more that for these last two kilometers than actually them looking bad in this specific stage, but I will agree, Hirt's Van Wilder looked dropped. a bit weaker in the first part. I reckon Hirt dropped, Van Wilder made the group. Um, I reckon he didn't. You don't reckon he had dropped? I'm going to be controversial. I think he had dropped. He looked terrible um, and was sliding. But who knows? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because, <laughs> it, yeah, it just doesn't. GC, uh, a couple of changes. I think Gagenhardt moves up. Schoens, Schoens drops out of the top 10. So Gagenhardt's into ninth. Roglic, oh, I'm just reminding myself of the gap. So Remco is two seconds ahead of Paripantra, 28 seconds behind Lechnesund. He's 32 seconds ahead of Almeida. He's 44 seconds ahead of Roglic. He's 58 seconds ahead of Thomas and Vlasov. And a minute and two seconds ahead of Gagenhart, Cameron and Caruso, a little bit further back. The Bahrain guys, Santi, Haig, and Caruso, obviously put on a bad gap after there. The time trial and stage nine as well for them is not going to be pretty either with the, um, the 30K flat time trial with their setup. So they're going to lose more time there, unfortunately. Yep. Anything else from this stage, Benji? Not really. I don't think there's anything more to say. I'm, on one end, I'm kind of happy that Davide Baez gets something for doing, getting in the break I don't care all the that time. they won. They could yeah. win, but it's nice. it would be nice to have tension. Are they going to get caught? Yeah. And I, I, I actually like having two races. I yeah. like having the break and then the GC action. But if it's just like break is given it and they just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, Pinot lost his blue jersey, I'm pretty sure. If we take a look, then Bice has it now. Really? Won, yeah, because Pinot needed to be in the break to be able to keep it. Pinot was still fighting for K1 points from the peloton. That's a but, cat one. Well, to be fair, Bice is not going to take the KRM jersey of the Giro. No. So Pinot probably doesn't care at all that Bice is in front of him. No. Uh, points jersey, Milan looked really good on the climb. I still maintain that Caden Groves, so Conchi, oh, this is some news before we get into the stage A preview. There was some news this morning. COVID is here, unfortunately, in the, in the Giro. Um, and Alessandro? Team, no, Covey. No, COVID. <laughs> Jesus. Covey, look, Covey looked better today. Yeah. Uh, Nicola Conchi out with COVID. I believe there was a Cofidis rider out with COVID earlier in the week and a teammate of Bargui. Uh, Who the fuck was it again? I'm trying to remember. That he's like a climber. <laughs> mm. There's a lot of climbers. He doesn't in climb well. so well. Um, 
Anyway, Conchie's out, and then McEwen said on the GCN Plus commentary that Groves woke up this morning with a cold or feeling a bit ill. So, yeah, and- so I mean, there's just something to watch, you know. Not saying Groves has COVID, but there's some sickness about. We've had a lot of 200k stages. We've had wet and rainy conditions. It's not just COVID that can knock you out of the gear or make you sick, uh, but it's also COVID is something the teams test for, and you you test positive for COVID, and you have a bit of, and you are you are symptomatic, you're gone. Uh, because you can make the rest of the team sick, it's not good for you, and you can make the rest of the peloton sick. So that's about, hopefully it doesn't affect the race too much, because it's like, we, we kind of forget about COVID, but Almeida was taken out of the Giro yep. and a chance for the podium or, or better by COVID in the third week last year. Not fun. Nope. Um, but yeah, just saying the monitor, I still maintain Groves could have won this from the breakaway. Uh, if he'd got in the break, I think it would have been interesting. The no, what's, I, the what's, I think he would have won. Possible actually today. <laughs> the watts per kilo calculations for uh, the stage win are the worst, <laughs> the worst of 2023. By I've just got the calculation by a significant margin. While the groups did 5.2 watts per kilo for less than 15 minutes for 13, 14 minutes on the last four Ks. <laughs> Five point. Now it is to altitude. So. Like for context, what would we expect this to be if it was like the, the Grand Tour riders? All out going against each like other. Like Jonas going full gas yeah. or Pogaccia. Um For this duration, seven. <laughs> seven, seven point two maybe. So that's like day. 120, 130 watts difference. I can't do maths, but yeah, it's a lot different. Um, maybe maybe seven, six point eight. You yeah. expect worst case. But headwind and whatnot um, is what happens. Anyway, tomorrow's stage. <laughs> I, I don't want to put the mocker on it again because we did that in a bad way yesterday, but... <laughs> I think this should be better. Turni to Fossombrone. It starts with 5Ks, 5.8%, almost out of neutral with a little 3K false light warm-up. That'll allow... That should allow a strong break to form. We're looking at a Magnus Court, a Ben Healy, Bertiol, EF, Caicedo. EF have to be in the break tomorrow. Yeah. And even a Stefan Kung, I would like to... Like, FDJ should try and get in the break tomorrow as well. I, I really think... Okay. Big bad Sam Omen closes you down a couple of times. Don't give up. Yep. Like, I know they're not Wout van Aert. Stefan Kung is on the flat, a pretty close approximation. Just keep trying. Keep trying. There's a lot, especially on that climb, it'll make it harder. Um, eventually be like, is it worth it for you to, like, especially with Quickstep, was it worth it them closing McNulty down a million times? No. Is it worth whoever closing down an FTJ or an EF? So I would really try and force the issue files, those teams on that climb and have a stronger break like that Betty Ol stage or Aldani stage or whatever, or Campanart's Crampanart stage a couple of years ago. But the, the last sort of 25% of the stage is the interesting part. The Cappuccino climb, 3Ks, 7.5%, descent straight into the Monte della Cesane, which is actually quite difficult. 7.8Ks, 6.5%. But the first um, 3Ks are 10.7%. That, that's steep. Levels off, little plateau descent, another little pickup, Montel for Montefelcino, 800 meters, 11% descent. Little Valley, 2.8Ks, 8%. The Cappuccino climb again, descent, and then a maybe little false flat, 2Ks or less uphill to the finish. So this, it's, this is not as hard as the Bora Torino, uh, Torino stage last year, right? I would not say this is as hard, but there's definitely potential in the sense that, first of all, for the break, like you said, the initial climb at the start makes it that the fight for the break will be quite interesting. And next to that, there's also potential from the peloton to be a GC fight. 
behind the breakaway who is likely going to win the stage, in my opinion, at least. I think Healy wins from the break. I think he's that rider on the ever. I'm like, this really fits him. Bet you all as well, to be honest. But Healy, this would have been the stage if I was Healy that I would be focusing on to go in the breakaway because this is really his terrain after the LBLs and so forth of the world. Now, for the rest, GC fight, people need to attack Remco before the time trial. But I also kind of feel like Remco will take time on this stage on certain individuals that are fighting for the podium. Not necessarily on Roglic, but I fear for Thomas on this. Yeah, like Thomas, the, the sprint and punch of Remco and Roglic is obviously superior to Thomas. We saw that in the finish here where those two, maybe Remco was trying. And you listen, this is now, what, the last two sprints? When Roglic has been obviously trying full gas, Remco has absolutely toasted Roglic um, in these finishes, Catalonia and now today. And G doesn't really have their firepower. Maybe G just thought... There's no bonus seconds left. You two are, are clowns. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> I just checked. It's not as hard as the Torino stage. That was 5Ks, 8% Superga with quite a bit earlier in the stage. And they did. it, it was harder that stage. I still think you can do something. In, and this climb with 37Ks to go, let me just check the gradients, Monte della Cesani. You know, it's 2Ks, 10% I lied, but 10.5% at 2Ks, that is hard. And then, it, I mean, it does look actually a good Remco climb as well. So as you said, but he doesn't need, he doesn't need to because he's got the TT on Sunday. So why is it? And do Yumbo even have the team, Benji? No Tratnik, perfect for this stage and probably for today. Yeah. No Foss, no, because Hessing's that guy you can put on the front. At any point. Yeah. And Foss also on today. Yeah. Okay. We know, we have said, you know, is he going to, be up there with Poggy and Jonas on serious climbs? No, but on four on thirteen k five percent, yeah, sure he can pull good yeah. pace. Like, is are they wary of, or are they cautious that ah, uh, can Michelle Hessman on Omen and Bowman do this and Thomas Glogue? Bowman, I think Bowman should be good on the cappuccino, right? On the cappuccino, <laughs> are you gonna wreck this climb for the rest of your life? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Icapuccini clan, I've got respect for Italians. You see on the opposite side of the stable is a man that puts pineapple on a pizza that breaks spaghetti into. Mock oh. a pot in the dishwasher. Ah, you're a criminal, absolute criminal. But... Cappuccino after 12 p.m. <laughs> oh, it hurts. But I agree with you. I, I completely agree with you. And you also mentioned throughout the week Bora for this race because Vlazov is a rider that could on paper dwell on a stage like this, but... How would you see them do it? Because they don't necessarily have the same strength of team that they had in the Giro of Torino stage. I mean, yeah, they got... Djungels is good. He was pacing at the end. But Kamner's, you know, Kamner you would see in the break normally on this <laughs> stage, but he's going for GC. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who to pick. Me neither. I'm going with McNulty. You're going up McNulty, McNulty for the stage? again from the breakaway. Uh, how much time is he on today? Is Klaas Lodewey going to allow him to break away? <laughs> Klaas, let us know. McNulty, he's on... Well, he lost six minutes again today. So if he's not allowed in the break on 13 minutes in GC, then, 13. then there's like an obsession. Like, is Klaus Lodewijk <laughs> secretly in love with Brandon McNulty? No, I think he hates him. Okay. He, I think he hates Brandon McNulty. Because listen, like you got the 5K, 6% to form the break. Even if, even if the break is formed and it, has, it won't have that much of a gap, it has 10 seconds, McNulty can bridge to that breakaway. So Brandon, my yeah. suggestion to you, some free advice. Um, wait for the break to form a little bit, like Wout did in the started to do in the in the Tour de France. Remember when yeah. Wout would try and create the break and it created chaos, and yeah. then eventually the break would 
he allowed the break to form and he would jump to it. If I'm McNulty, I'll let a break properly form in that climb. 10 seconds, I see a bit of a gap and then I will snap jump to it. Because um, on that sort of 6% climb, that duration, he's very strong. And then as we saw in Fornardesh, which he won last year, ahead of Van Savenant and Koos, in this sort of circuit, he's very, very, very good. Uh, he can pace the valley afterwards very, very hard. Um, he's heavier than the sort of pure climbers for the descent. So McNulty, I think, if he gets in this break, will win easily. But Wells. I said that the other day. Wells will go in the breakaway because... I keep saying EF and Healy, but... Yeah. Lekkenson should try and get in the breakaway. Van Avermaet style with the uh, leader's jersey. I think the I think carrying... I've, I've been thinking about this. Is carrying the leader's jersey worth it? Like you, I I think it, you do get given the jersey a jersey for each stage, so you, you get to put it on your wall. Are you saying that Lechnison should have lost ten minutes today on Campo Imperatore to go in the breakaway again tomorrow? Would you rather have one Giro stage or the Malierosa for three days? I fully agree with you, because I think if he goes fully for the stage the other day and fully for the stage tomorrow, you know he probably he obviously has a better chance of winning one. Yeah. Um, Especially on a hilly circuit like this, which he's been good at yeah, in Norway. We've spoken about the factor of which riders are going in the breakaway for the stage, but who is close enough to take the leader jersey if they go in the break? Patrick Conrad? Or will uh, he stay behind for Vlaza? I feel like that might be the, the most likely scenario, but he's on five minutes in GC. We've got Velasco on six minutes in GC. Bargill exists, but he was a bit sick before this yeah. race, so I'm not really... Lawrence Huss. Isn't he? He's from pretty Marche. good. Yeah, he's, he's good pretty. at hilly terrain. Yeah. He was the guy that you, you got to know in the hilly classics a few years ago. Yeah, you kept saying, who is? He was good in Andalusia, actually. He was really good in Andalusia on a hilly yeah. stage. In Fletch Wallon, Mur de Huis. I don't know how to say... I still don't know how to say murder we. I'm going to say it's murder. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> um, Tom Schoens could, could go in the break where he lost uh, a lot of time today. Con Barman from the break. I <laughs> uh, doubt it. Formula Yuli Covey. I'll say those three names again. I really think this is those sort of guys stage yeah. as well. I mean, McNulty. So UAE got to have some guys in the break. I mean, and who's going to, if the break goes, Benji, who's going to control for how long is it? Three hours. Yeah. It has to be break win. I think so as well. When it comes to the, the Bora riders, to go in the breakaway, a Balzer or a, if I take a look at Denz maybe as like the satellite rider that we saw in Torino, that's what I'm looking for if Bora wants to try something. If they've got one of those riders in the break, then they're going to try something, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, EF, I just don't know. I just, they seem to, Healy. Sort, Healy. They seem Healy. to sort of try a little bit to get in the break and they did try Healy, tried a lot the other day. Healy. Um, you Healy. Re Healy. Healy. Is he your pick? Healy. Okay. Healy. Um, Healy. I'm going to go with Lorenzo Rota. No, I already went with McNulty. I'm sticking with McNulty, <laughs> but Intermarche, after being third today, they'll want to get in the break again. Uh, GC, what do you think happens? I think both Remco and Roglic take time on people. I fear for Almeida on this one. All, I don't know why, because in the, in the Torino stage, he got fucked in some shape or form. I don't remember how. He got, he got behind before when Bora yeah. was pacing, and then he was being... Pulled back, but I don't remember if Almeida lost time or anything on that stage. I feel like he dropped on a descent or something, and then I feel like his descending got better, and then I th now and I think the crashes. Um, now I think the crash has given him the wobbles a little bit. So I don't know. Who knows? Healy. Yeah, but GC wise, 
Hopefully someone will try something. Yeah. Uh, it's really steep terrain. It's really steep. It's much should be much more selective than today. Uh, but yeah, that's all from the Giro d'Italia. Any other news around the traps? Tour de Hungary was on. Uh, Mark Hirschi is back. I've been saying this now for 17 years. A, a couple of weeks, I think. Uh, Hirschi is back. And also the 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 Vuelta kind of the the big grand tour of women's cycling in Spain is actually the combination of Burgos, Itzulia and um the actual La Vuelta. But if you combine yeah. the three of them, it's about two weeks of racing and Volering cleaned everybody up on the first stage again. Uh, her teammate Royce was second. She won all three stages, I think, last year, Volering at Itzulia. And A V V is here too. So if you wanna watch that? GCN Plus is the place to do that as well. So yeah, any other news, Benji? Anything you in cycling i'm gonna go to bed again yeah just like i did during the stage because this was a, a snoozer it was a snoozer all right thanks for tuning in as always loyal fans of cycling and us and we'll see you with stage eight recap tomorrow ciao